there's a certain thing that we're all seeking. You might have forgotten about it. Because right now you might be seeking a better paycheck. You might be seeking a better relationship. You might be seeking a better place. You might be seeking whatever it is that you might be seeking. And in all of your seeking, you may have forgotten. There's really one thing that we've all been seeking from the beginning and that we're all seeking right now as we sit here in church, in church, in church this morning. Church is a word that might have carried a certain definition for you at one time in your life. And I don't know what the definition for church is now. But this thing that we're seeking is something that should be available at church, if nowhere else. We get distracted and we get off course and we feel like there's all of these other things that we need, all of these other things that we need to be seeking, and we forget there's really just this one thing. There's really this one thing that Neil needs. There's really this one thing that I need. There's this one thing that Victor needs. There's this one thing that we all need. You're seeking it in that paycheck. You're seeking it in that relationship. You're seeking it in that new place or that new discovery. You're seeking it on that new path. It's the reason why you took that new path. But in all of these different ways, you're never going to find it. None of us have ever found it that way. What is that one thing? Peace. That's what we're all seeking. We all want peace. Peace. Well, I just want to get along with my wife and I just want her to get along with me. Why do you want that? Because I love her, because I love him. Yeah, sort of. But in reality, you just want peace. For God's sake, can I have some peace in my life? That's what you want. That's what you want to say. The next time somebody brings another problem up to you, the thing that you really want, you want a solution to that problem? Yeah. And then we get lost in seeking that solution because we forget that it's not really the solution. It's what the solution hopefully might bring. Peace. Peace. Many people that don't have peace in their life think that $10 million will bring that peace. There are a good number of people that have been blessed with that $10 million and figured out, guess what? Still no peace. There are some people that have the $10 million or the $10 billion, and they think maybe philanthropy, maybe if I get rid of it all and give it to a bunch of people and just have a meager amount for myself, then that'll finally bring me peace. That's an, another way of trying to purchase peace. And they become philanthropists and they go over here, they build water wells over there, they do this with the Red Cross, this over here, all of these things that take up their time and they're happy for a little while, but guess what they ultimately figure out? Still no peace. Well, maybe the problem is I'm not compatible with so-and-so. If I can trade in for a new model, that'll bring me some peace. Guess what you figure out? Still no peace. For a little while, it's your new favorite shirt until about the 13th wash. Then you need another new shirt. And you like it. Oh, that new shirt smell. That's what I need. 
another new pair of shoes. Makes me feel so good. Gives me the warm fuzzies. Like me, a new pair of shoes. My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. That's not the whole scripture. It actually says shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Hmm. I didn't think that new shirt, new outfit, new shoes feeling would ever go away. When I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, it was still there. Every time I could get something new, it still felt the same. Felt that good all over again. I don't know where you're at, but it's kind of lost its appeal for me already. I'm only in my 30s. By the time Christ was my age, he had saved the world, been crucified, and was about to be resurrected. I think he figured out the appeal is gone. Makes me feel kind of like a loser. What have I done in my 33 years compared to Christ? Not much. He already saved the world. I'm still working on me. Anyway, so it lo- it, even that loses its appeal after a while, and we have, to, we have to go after the next new thing. Well, now I'm a big boy. New shirts and new shoes don't do the trick. Maybe a new job will do the trick. I love every new job I've ever had for like three weeks. It's really cool for like three weeks. The ones that came with bigger paychecks were really cool for like three and a half weeks. The ones that came with smaller paychecks were still kind of nice for a couple of weeks. It doesn't matter what you do. Eventually, the new wears off and what you thought was going to bring you peace, you figure out no peace. Where do you sit right now in your life? If you can't look me in the eyes and say that you found peace, then I need to tell you something that is the truth and might step on your toes a little bit. You're doing something wrong. In all of your seeking, you haven't found peace. Stop. Just stop. You're wasting time and energy. It's not around the next corner. It's not inside of the next building. It doesn't exist in the next relationship. It's not inside the next new pair of shoes. That's never where peace was supplied from day one until now. And if that is not where it is supplied, that is not where you are going to draw that peace in your life. Well, I don't like where I'm at, whether that's, again, relationship, church, job, whatever the case may be. And you feel like you got to get out of that thing and go find something new and you'll feel better. But you still haven't found peace. You move around a lot. In the spirit, in the physical, in the whatever. And what you end up finding out by the time you're a little bit older and it's kind of a little too late. It's never too late, too late. But in this regard, is that in all of your seeking and all of your moving around, all you've managed to do is end up with the same lack, but a lot more bridges that have been burned. Because you've never stopped moving and you've never once truly settled. But you can't settle because you don't have peace. Let's read this scripture again. This is coming off of an argument that Paul is making with the church at Rome about whether they can eat certain things or drink certain things. Now, for us in the modern day church, it's not a big argument. There are some denominations, Seventh-day Adventist some messianic congregations, so on and so forth, where what you eat is a big deal. 
most of us have gotten the revelation that Peter got in Acts chapter 10. Don't call anything that God has made unclean. You want to eat it? Eat it. As long as it's dead, don't eat it if it's alive. I think there's, I'm pretty sure there's still scripture against that. Nothing that the Lord has made unclean. Now, when we get to heaven, here's the catch. Enjoy your bacon now. Because there's a real good chance it ain't going to be there. You like shrimp? Eat all you can. Because that probably ain't going to be there. Things with scales, enjoy all you can. Probably not going to be there. Pork chops, enjoy it now. Ham, enjoy it now. Pigs give, give us a lot of food. There's a lot that comes from a pig. Enjoy it now. Baby back ribs. It's from a pig, right? Pork chops, bacon, ham. What else do we get? We get a lot of stuff. God said in so many different words, I'm saying, enjoy it now because there's a good chance that on the other side... Uh, I am, I know I am persuaded by the Lord Jesus there is nothing unclean of itself. Okay, that's, that's the truth right now. But to him that it seems anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Verse number 14 of chapter 14 tells us. But if any brother is grieved with your meat or the choice that you've made, he doesn't understand it, uh, now you're not walking in love. Because if you're just going to do it right in front of him because you have the understanding that it's no big deal, but he thinks it is a big deal and you're causing him to stumble, then now you're doing something that is not unclean, but it is now without love. Do not destroy somebody else with your choice. Do not destroy them for who Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. In other words, it's good to understand that nothing that God has made is unclean. Now, for us, food is not a big deal. But for us, drink might be a big deal. Well, is it, can I be a Christian and still have a beer? Well, that's between you and God. I don't find any scripture that says you can't. Can I still be a Christian and have a sip of wine or have a glass of wine? It appears to me that Jesus had some wine. You want to argue about the fact that it wasn't fermented? I want to ask you why in the world the master of the party came up to him and said, usually they wait till everybody's drunk and then they deliver the the good wine, but you delivered it right up front when he turned the water into wine. So yes, it was fermented. Yes, it was wine. Yes, he had a glass. So can you be a Christian and still have a glass of wine? You can. Can you be a Christian and still have a beer? You can. Can you be a Christian and still have a mixed drink? Well, you can. Now, there are also a lot of denominations and a lot of Christians within Christianity who love Jesus just as much as you do, who are desiring to follow him just as much as you are, who read the same Bible that you read, who do not understand that that is okay, and they look at it as a damnable sin and heresy, and it really confuses them why people that are called Christians can have these drinks. You know what the, the, the answer there is? Don't have it in front of them. That's what he's saying here. Now, we're going to bring this into more uh, applicable choices in our lives here in a second. But for the purpose of revealing the scripture in Romans chapter 14, do you know that it's okay? Nobody's arguing drunkenness. That's obviously spoken against in the scripture very vividly. Do you know that it's okay to have a glass of wine or beer? Good for you. Is that something that you truly believe? You truly have faith in that idea? That's okay. Other people don't. Don't destroy them with your choice. Here's the thing, my friend. If you're okay with having a glass of wine and your friend in Christ isn't, 
And your desire to have that glass of wine is so strong that you say, oh, to heck with it, and I'm going to have it in front of them anyway because I know it's okay, you might have a problem. Because your desire for that wine is overtaking your desire for fellowship with your brother or your sister. In which case, you probably shouldn't have any at all. Because you have a real strong pull there. Well, I think it's okay, and I know that it's okay, and the Bible says not to have it. You know what they didn't have to deal with back in Jesus' day? They didn't have to deal with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and whatever else, Snapchat, whatever the case may be. They didn't have that. Now we do. Let me talk to you pastorally because you can love me or hate me, but this is the word of God, and it's going to be true in your life from this day to the next. Are you okay with having a beer in Jesus' name, a glass of wine in Jesus' name? God bless you. Do not post it to a social network, please. You are confusing a lot of people. You are a killer of peace in the body of Christ. Do you hate this word? I'm sorry. Is it stepping on your toes? I'm sorry. But you are disrupting the peace of the spirit in other people's lives. Is it okay to curse in Jesus' name? If you believe that, that's fine. I think it's ridiculous. But if you believe it, it's fine. Please keep it off the social network if you're a Christian. Because you're destroying other people's peace. You're a disruptor. And it says right here, please don't do that. For whom Christ died. Is it good? Is it something that is good in your life? Good. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. In other words, you have the freedom to have a glass of wine and that's good. Good. Don't post it out there for the world to see and have half of the Christian world upset and confused and speaking evil about you for something that you know is good because you just can't help it. Don't let your liberty, your good be evil spoken of. Verse 17. This is the important part. For the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's all we really want. We just want peace. I want peace with the church next door. I want peace with you. I want peace with my fiance. I want peace with my children. I want peace with all past relationships in my life. I really don't want to fight with anybody. It's not good for my health and it's not good for theirs. We all live on the same big patch of earth together. I'm for working together if you're for working together. I'm for it even if you're not, but I can't work with you if you don't believe it. Peace. Good God. We all just want peace. But we'll fight with each other. We'll fight to the death. Claiming that we want peace. For he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Man, if Christianity really meant anything to us, if we really desired to be acceptable in the eyes of God, if that was really a big deal and not just a phraseology, not just a cliche or a uh, poetic saying, if we really cared to be acceptable in the eyes of God, we might really make this a big priority. Peace. And, and approved of men. How can you be acceptable 
to God and approved of men. You have peace in your relationship with God and who you are. And you have peace with your brothers and sisters. Nobody's going to speak evil of you. You're not disrupting anybody's walk with the Lord. You're not confusing anyone with your liberty. You're not bringing whatever kind of turmoil into their lives. They're not going to have anything to say much against you. They'll conjure something up if they have a complete lack of peace in themselves. Let me let me read to you real quick a definition of this word peace. Keep that in mind about how we get along with one another. There's some pretty marked definitions. It's all the same word, but in the Greek, there's usually multiple definitions of the same word because they are hard to define one Greek word with one English word. Peace is defined as exemption from the rage and havoc of war. We can talk about that in a second. Sorry, excuse me. Peace between individuals, i.e. harmony or a concord. What you'll find is that peace travels with unity. More, off, more often than not, I'm going to skip to the end. The one that we didn't share in Sunday school this morning says, The blessed state of devout and upright men after death. The blessed state of devout and upright men after death. Well, that doesn't seem to apply to me here on this earth, doesn't it? Haven't we all died to ourselves? Isn't that what we're called to do? If any man is going to follow after me, let him take up his cross daily. Haven't we all died to sin? Haven't we all died to self? Aren't we all desiring to be nailed to that cross with Jesus Christ, as the word of God says, to enter into his death through repentance, his burial through baptism? Haven't we all desired to be dead to the world? To be dead to the things of the enemy? Aren't we dead men walking as the Bible says? Are we not? What happens if you walk up to a casket with a dead man in it and you poke him with a stick? You should try that. At a funeral of a stranger. So your family doesn't get upset. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But you all know what would happen. Nothing. I read a survival guide one time about being lost in the wilderness, and that was how the survival guide said to test and make sure that something is dead. Poke it with a stick. If it's dead, it won't respond. Are you saved? Have you been crucified with Jesus? Have you been crucified with him? Awesome. Do you endeavor to walk in the spirit so that you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh? Are you in the spirit today? Let me try it to take this stick of that outfit looks kind of funny. Any response? No response to a dead man. Let me take the stick of the stick of sin and temptation. Let me poke you with the little bits, what the devil does. Slides it up in your face. Well, sister, you know, so-and-so said this and that about you the other day. I just wanted to let you know because I know she acts like your friend to your face, but. Any response? Yeah, maybe. Well, I heard this about you. I heard that you did that. I heard that you did this. I heard you were here at poke, poke, stick. Dead man. 
If you're truly walking in the spirit, you're truly dead to the flesh and dead to the world. The world doesn't get a response out of you. Because you're at peace. And peace means the blessed state of devout and upright men after death. Does what somebody else said or did about you really have the ability to affect God's relationship with you? Do you think God is listening to the conversation of the gossipers and the backbiters and going, oh, I didn't know he did that. Oh, oh that he that's what that's what happened. Oh, that was the that was the case. Well, in that case, I'm not going to hang out with him anymore. Because that's terrible. But then the other camp is saying, well, that didn't have this did happen, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, now I'm confused. OK, well, maybe does God get confused like that? Is it going to affect your relationship with God? It doesn't need to. It will. If you act, react and act in your flesh, you're getting poked with a stick. If you're alive, you're going to squirm. If you're dead, you are not. Let's go back to the scripture. Acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify another. Edify another. That one may edify another. You know what my calling is. You know what God's desire for me is towards my brother Omar. If he's my brother in Christ. Is God asking me to figure out everything bad about Omar and point it out to him and everybody else? Is that my job in the body of Christ? Is it my job to take everything I don't like about Omar and tell it to my neighbor over here and get my neighbor to go, yeah, I know that guy is crazy. And we're sitting around talking and first we start joking, then we start talking seriously. And then before you know it, we're having a conversation about our likes and our dislikes. And Omar's over there at work, working hard, doing whatever he's doing, thinking everything's going all right. And his friends and his family are talking about him behind his back. Is that our job? Is it my job to bring that to Omar or is it my job to edify You know what? God knows all of his shortcomings. It's a long list. I'm just kidding. God knows all of Omar's shortcomings. His dad knows a lot of them, too. He he, he doesn't need to be reminded. And Omar, unless he's just a saint, isn't going to listen to me run him down and decide that was from God and he needs to work on these things. God's going to help Omar with that. What I need to do is edify my brother. What is he good at? Let's talk about that. Let me edify him. So if I can promote him and the things that he's good at, and he can turn around and promote me and the things that I'm good at, then before you know it, we're just pouring into each other about how good God is and how, how well God is using us and what we're able to do. And I'm edifying him and he's edifying me and I'm encouraging him and he's encouraging me. And before you know it, we're set out to do the work of God because we're on fire with confidence in the Lord that not only God, but our brothers and our sisters believe in us. And while we might have had turmoil and, 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 and division and, and, and things are just discombobulated at first, whenever people pour into us and edify us, it all comes together. We forget about that and we just believe that we can do a thing. And we start to walk around with a little bit more peace in our spirit because we're able to have a weapon to defend ourselves against the enemy. 
Peace, my friend, according to this scripture right here and according to the fruit of the spirit that we've been studying, travels along with faith. And the last time that I checked, faith is a shield. In Ephesians chapter four, and the last time I studied a shield, it is not an offensive weapon. It is a defensive weapon. So the enemy is throwing darts and he's making contact and he's throwing darts and he's making contact and you're ducking, you're trying to get out of the way, but he's real accurate with those darts. What you need is the shield of faith to raise up the shield against the enemy and let the darts hit the shield. But it's hard to have that faith if you don't have that peace. And it's impossible to have that peace if you don't have any unity and concord and harmony with your brothers and sisters because you're just traveling around in division and disunity and that shield is starting to wither and those fiery darts are making clear contact. Clean contact. Center of the dartboard. Bullseye every time. Well, I want to pick up my shield of faith, and that's your Bible. And you know what? Your Bible is, is, is necessary, but it's the sword of the Spirit, and it's hard to fight off darts with just a sword. Shield. Faith. Peace. Unity. Let's continue. For meat destroys not the work of God, whatever you choose to eat. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eats with offense. It's good neither to eat certain flesh or drink wine, nor anything whereby your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Is there a liberty in Christ that you really enjoy, but you know offends other people? What decision do we make there? What decision do we make? Well, if we want to be acceptable according to Romans 14 in the eyes of God and approved of men. Do you have faith? Verse 22. Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in the thing which he allows. Some Christians are offended by rated R movies, to the point where they can't watch The Passion of the Christ. I don't understand that. I think every Christian should see that movie, but there are people that are offended by it, so okay, that's fine. I'm not going to force them to watch it. There are certain rated R movies that none of us should watch. I think we can make the case biblically. Then there are ones like The Passion of the Christ, and we're not going to make a list and say which ones are good and which ones are bad. Do you have that liberty in Christ? Okay. Do you think it might be offensive if you're watching uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo? Is that the name of that movie? There's probably a lot of biblical reasons I could give you not to watch that, but maybe you fast forward through those parts. Good for you. Keep it to yourself. It's obviously going to be confusing to some people. There's things like the exorcism of Emily Rose. I've studied the real story about the girl that it actually happened to, and I actually get something out of that movie. I'm sorry that I'm saying that in front of using that as an example. I'm not going to make a public thing of it ever again. But you know what? There's a lot of people that are offended because that's rated. I'm pretty sure it's rated R, and it could be classified as a horror film. And there are a lot of people that need to stay away from that. You have the liberty to see that. Does it help you to understand God or the devil or whatever the case may be? That's fine. You know that's going to offend somebody. Just keep it to yourself. You have faith in that thing 
that is on the line that you know some people uh, are cool with and some people aren't, have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that does not condemn himself in that thing which he allows. But he that doubts is damned if he eats or whatever choice he makes because he eats not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We need peace in our lives. We need peace to operate in faith. We need faith to operate in peace. This life is not about how much you allow. This life is about how much peace you have in the spirit. If you're not sure about something, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to eat that or drink that, then the answer is don't do it. Because you're not doing it in faith. If it's a matter of legality, don't cross the line. If you're unsure, and I'll make you this promise. If you err on the side of caution, you'll walk through this life with a lot more peace. A lot more peace in your spirit. I know this is probably sort of an elementary word, a message today for a lot of us. I had a different message written out. It really just kind of changed this morning. I felt like as we were talking in Sunday school um, that this was the message that we needed to speak. I know we all talk about what God has done or what God's going to do at Edgewater Church, how God's not finished and how it's a, a new day and a new foundation and we're waiting to see what it is that God has planned and God has in store and that's all true. There have been words and confirmations and dreams and visions and I love all of that. But at the end of the day, what we need in our congregation right now, we need peace. You know what? We've gone through some things. We've gone through some change. We've lost some things. We've gained some things. As long as we're going through it, let me just make you this offer right now. If you cannot find your, within yourself peace with your pastor, with your church, you should leave. You really should. You should do one of two things. You should go home and pray and consider, why is it that you have no peace? If it's a you thing, let's work on that. If it's an us thing, you need that peace. We need that peace in our congregation if we're going to move forward. I need to be happy with you. You need to be happy with me. We need to be happy with each other, at least to the point where we're not talking about each other at home behind each other's backs. At least to the point where if I need something from you and you need something from me, that thing can be attained in a peaceful manner. At least to the point where if Omar promises me something and he doesn't deliver it on the day that he promised, we can talk about that in a peaceful manner. We can love each other, vice versa, anybody in the congregation. We're not here to be perfect. None of us are ever going to be perfect. But we at least deserve to be able to find peace at church. Peace in the spirit. Security. To know that the person on your left loves you and you love them. We don't all have to hang out and be best friends every day. But we have to look at each other and recognize, this is my brother in Christ. This is my sister in Christ. I might in my flesh get upset 
every once in a while, but I really need to find my way back into the spirit pretty quick. So I need to be able to encourage my brother. I need to be able to encourage my sister. I need to be able to do that without flattery. That needs to be sincere so that we can be acceptable in the eyes of God and walk with approval in the eyes of men as well. Does that make sense this morning? That's all I want us to have, a little bit of peace. Our worship team, go ahead and come up. A little bit of peace so we can operate in faith. For those of you that haven't been there to the Sunday school class, I don't know how much sense it's going to make, but we have figured out that the fruit of the Spirit are listed in order to uh, connect to the gifts of the Spirit. There are nine fruit and there are nine gifts, and each one corresponds with the other one. And the one that corresponds, once again, with peace is faith. But it's not just the normal, everyday faith. It's a gift of faith. And what we realized this morning is that the difference between the faith that we all sit here and have right now and the gift of faith is that the gift of faith is supernatural to the point where it's unwavering. But that unwavering faith can only come in the midst of an unwavering individual. And an unwavering individual is one that has peace with his or her relationship with God, with his or her lot in life, where they are right now. Can you be you and be okay? Doesn't mean that you're not going to improve. Doesn't mean that God doesn't have more for you. But can you be who you are right now and be okay? Can you be content? Can you find peace with this lot in life that you have right now? A couple of secret weapons that we shared this morning. Your Bible, prayer, fasting, church. These are the things God has given us to fight off the enemy and find peace. It's not around the next corner. It's not in the next new shirt. It's in the Holy Spirit. Peace, love, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Stand with me this morning. Let's worship.